Hello Apaches, and thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of Season 3 of the Keepin' at Arcadia podcast, brought to you by the students in Arcadia High School's Digital Communications Internship, or DCI for short. Jeffrey Lee, and I'm the host for today. Today, we have two very special teacher features with our very own Arcadia High School teachers, English teacher Ms. Desura and history teacher Mr. Wang. Enjoy! First up, Becky Chen with Ms. Desura. Hey Apaches, so right now I have with me Mrs. Asura for our teacher feature. So Mrs. Asura, can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I'm Kathy Desura, and I teach English in room C109, and it's my seventh year here at Arcadia High. Cool, okay, so now we know you as the loving teacher who's amazing and just everyone loves you, like literally everyone loves you. Can you tell us just a little bit like what you do outside of teaching? Yeah, um... Well, firstly, I have to laugh because I know not everyone uh, loves me. No, I, can, I swear. I can think of a few, and plus we don't use absolute language, right? That's like the mm-hmm. English teacher in me. We uh, have I guess. to, like, tone it down, right? <laughs> no, but I really think if there could be a teacher on Katie High, I think it would be you. Because I remember when when I asked uh, the crew if I could do Mrs. Desert, like, for that teacher feature, everyone, the room erupted in approval. Oh, I love it. Yeah, Thank no. You. And then when I posted my schedule, everyone also replied, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you have Mrs. Desert, like... You're so lucky, so I think everyone loves you. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so outside of teaching, uh, I, I love to write. Um, okay. I just love the power of imagination and how that can uh, just create new things, new characters, and, and connect people. And, and I think humans are driven to tell stories, and so I really like tapping into that. Oh, so do you work on like writings, or is it just more like a journal thing, or do you publish them? Um, in college, I worked on a lot of screenplays, and now I focus oh. more on novels. So I submitted a novel um, and got a few polite rejection letters. <laughs> so I'm in the midst of really heavy revisions on, on that oh, one. Oh, right now? Yeah. So when did you start this novel? Um, I participate in a fun event called NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And so the idea is that you write really quickly in November and you just kind of get your words down um, on the page and so then you can kind of edit them later so I've done quite a few of those I have a lot of drafts of different novels through NaNoWriMo so I can't remember which month I did the original version of this one yeah but um, I think the editing and revision is harder Uh than the just like the fun part of just getting oh yeah just getting everything down so uh yeah that's why it's taking me a long time oh so you're still in the process of revising and everything yeah yeah oh that's so cool maybe we could like promote the book once it's published like on this podcast of course (laughs) i love the positivity that it will be published (laughs) it will be certainly (laughs) so could you tell us what your favorite book is and also like why favorite book is such a difficult question especially for an english teacher i think Mm -hmm. so i'll I'll probably have to say pride and prejudice Um, i heard about (laughs) by jane austen Uh uh-huh oh i've seen people read that yeah um she was really progressive for her time like with strong female heroes i think despite Um, like the romantic pairings which um you know are fun and they were kind of necessary for her time like for how women had to survive mm-hmm. um but they're also there's a lot of sarcasm if oh. you if you read carefully and so it it kind of cracks me up how uh, her sense of humor was also i feel advanced oh. for her time <laughs> i definitely check that out yeah and i have to say too like harry potter obviously i grew up with the books oh. so the first one i read in elementary school and the last one i read in college like as they came out oh that is very nostalgic yeah yeah oh. so i have a connection with harry potter do you think the movie adaptations do it justice 
Oh, there. she took it. She she inhaled. <laughs> I'm hesitating. I appreciate the movies, but no, oh, I don't think really? they did them justice. No. Oh, okay. So now let's talk about your least favorite book, and we want you to dig in on this book and just say why all the reasons you hate it. So this took me some time to think of because I I can always find something positive about a book. Like mm. I don't know, that's just my nature to be a little bit optimistic, okay. I guess. Um, so I actually test, texted my two best friends right. and I said, is there a book that I've ranted about? Because I can't remember any right now. Right. And they both texted me back. You hate Charles Dickens. And I was like, oh, I do hate Charles Dickens. <laughs> Charles Dickens. <laughs> Wait, he wrote, what did he write again? Oh, I forgot. He wrote a few things. So like Christmas Carol is the one oh, right, because I like the best, but he okay. wrote other stuff like hard times and great expectations. Oh, great expectations. So great expectations. I think that's going to be my choice for the book. For least the favorite. Is yeah. there a reason like why? Uh, he was paid, like the legend is he was paid by the word, but it was a little more complicated than that. But so he like extended the story on purpose. So it's overly long. Um, um, so I think, you know, he could, he could have edited it down much more. Right. So kind of like stretched, like yeah. no one wants it. To yeah. Keep, so um, boring. Um, boring. <laughs> and All right. The hero in Great Expectations, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the solution to his problem is that like a mysterious guy gives him a bunch of money. So how are you oh, supposed to relate to a hero like that's that? That's not a good book. <laughs> right. Why right. is it so famous then? That's like a big name too. Um, he, he still has a lot of skills as a writer for sure. Oh, I guess. Um, like Tale of Two Cities is another another one of his that's um, pretty good. Mm. Like again, I'll give him some credit. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Very nice. But of you. yeah, I think I think if you really dig into the classics, there's right. quite a few that are more pretentious than brilliant but we're all supposed to mm. accept them as brilliant but you're like no I, I. no right <laughs> so if you weren't a teacher what would you imagine yourself being instead i will say my childhood dream for years was to be a veterinarian oh um, i can see that yeah i just i love animals i think the empathy that i have uh, connects you know with with animals just like i try to connect with my students but once i got i think around high school and i realized the extent of blood and math that would be in my uh-huh. life i quit that dream uh, wait <laughs> yeah i don't need blood or math i think a lot of kids think like that they want to be a doctor and they realize that they can't handle blood yeah right yeah and is there anything else that like a fun little thing that you would be if you really had a choice um well i mean obviously my dream is to be a writer and so mm-hmm. at the moment i feel like i can combine it with teaching but yeah if if I was free to just write and not teach, let's mm-hmm. be honest, I'd probably you probably do would. <laughs> I love teaching, but uh, it comes with a lot of grading, mm, and that's yeah. not enjoyable. I hope you achieve your dream one day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, okay, so we already touched on this a little bit, but you're really popular within our school. I was so surprised. So you can most humbly put it. Just state a reason why. Why you think this is? Uh, if I have to guess. I think I, I know I already use this word empathy, but I think because mm-hmm. I truly care about my students, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of them feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teenage years are really hard, and it's easy to feel mm-hmm. alone and unloved. Mm-hmm. Um, and high school, especially, there's so much pressure on academics. Oh, and, of course. Uh, I understand that. I think in a way that not that students don't always get from the adults in their life, oh. where. Um, 
I try to make sure students can be balanced so that because you know my class my academics are not your whole life yeah and I know sometimes teachers it can feel like they want one class to be your whole world mm-hmm. and I know that you guys have friendships and yeah. family drama we have and relationships right. yeah you have so many other things going on in your life and you're trying to figure out your identity so I think just the um like patience and I don't know yeah. kindness in my classroom yeah. I think touches students yeah I would definitely say that too yeah so I just try yeah to help you guys be more there's there's more than just you know academics in our world we yeah need for mental sure. health and social health and for sure and it's great that you understand that thanks yeah and now finally the juiciest question we all know that you're about to pop a baby out <laughs> now could you just tell us a little bit about it and like I don't know like what's going on yeah again I it makes me laugh that you say all of us know about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure out of the five periods I have in the day, I think that there's one period left that just thinks I'm fat. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Interesting. I get that sense what, what, from them. You, why? Because they just don't mention it? Or, like, what's going on? Um, just some of the, like, glances and comments. I have really good hearing, and I think students oh. forget that. I can um, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so some of my my clothing funny. choices, like I yeah, embrace yeah, the yeah. bump, and so I think some of them are like so confused why I'm flaunting <laughs> this. Tummy that is job. so funny. <laughs> that is so uh, funny. Yeah, but yeah, so I'm five months along um, with my daughter. So I ha- this is a girl. I already have a son, so now I'm having mm-hmm. a, a girl too. Um, yeah, so I'm excited. Something uh, different. My son came out with dark curly hair just mm-hmm. like my husband so oh. I kind of hope my little girl has yes. curly hair too oh how does your how old is your son how does he view this is he like excited dreading it yeah he's two and a half so he'll turn two and a half he'll oh. turn three just after the baby is born they'll be really close birthday oh. um I don't think he fully understands right. so he's really excited because we've watched the Daniel Tiger episode where Daniel Tiger gets a little sister oh, <laughs> tried to oh be like, that's, that's so cute this is what you're gonna do and um so in theory he's excited but i know that he doesn't fully get it because when you ask him you know sam uh where's your baby sister sometimes he points at my stomach but sometimes he points at his own stomach oh uh, something something isn't registering (laughs) and the latest trick he's been doing is uh, he'll talk about sharing his food with his baby sister and then he'll try to shove like raisins or or goldfish crackers into his belly button that is so cute i think you're preparing him well (laughs) so he he's confused but but nice okay hopefully he'll adjust what about you how are you feeling nervous excited tell us um excited for sure but also nervous because i've been through it once so i know exactly how much it's gonna hurt Mm. (laughs) and how much uh adjustment to my sleep schedule it's gonna be Um, because i think something that is not common enough knowledge is that uh infants for the first few months need to eat about every three hours as in like round the clock so you can't sleep longer than three hours (laughs) oh yeah Yeah. so i know that it's going to be a uh, <laughs> a very tough process. Yeah, yeah. And so you'll be leaving f- for your your maternity leave on what exact date? Um, the baby's due January twenty fourth. So January. I will try to work up until the week before that, which mm-hmm. is how far I made it with my son. Mm-hmm. Um, but babies are unpredictable, so, right? You know, I don't really want my water to break in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be <laughs> interesting. Sports medicine, <laughs> and all the students come rushing in. Yeah. Whatever you do, we wish you the best of luck. We will miss you so much. I cannot ex- tell you 
the emotions that went rushed through my body <laughs> when I heard that you were leaving. I know, I'm sorry. I'm so sad. <laughs> Because we're probably going to get substitute. And, uh, I actually think I know which sub wants to cover for me. And she's really cool. Is she, am- she's, is she amazing? Yeah, yeah. She's been a teacher at Arcadia like years ago. So you guys will be in really good hands. Okay. That's yeah. that's the, that's what I hope for. Yes. So, so I guess that concludes our interview. Is there anything you would like to maybe tell the listeners, promote yourself, your <laughs> social media? Oh, gosh. Um, I did start a teacher Twitter. I don't um, post <gasps> yes, on it teacher very Twitter. much. But oh, okay. yeah. Uh, I think it's at CD English Teach. CD English Teach, okay. I think, yeah. So you can follow me there. I'll try to be funnier, I guess, <laughs> if I have followers. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't really think of what else to add, but thank All you right. for your interest. And no, for of course. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for you, talking Becky. with me, Mrs. Sarah. And I hope the listeners out here wish Mrs. Sarah the best of her luck on her pregnancy. And back to the studio. Bye. Bye. Next, we have Lauren Sung with Mr. Wang. Hello, this is Lauren Sung for Keeping It Arcadia. And for my teacher feature, we have here Mr. Jerry Wang. So Mr. Wang, let's just start off with a brief introduction. So what subjects do you teach as of now and what have you taught in the past? Well, first I want to thank DCI for having me. No problem. Uh, I teach a variety of subjects here, but this year I am teaching uh, regular college prep U.S. history and AP U.S. history, but I have taught you know, anywhere from modern world history to right. AP human geography to government economics. I've pretty much taught all the classes in, that are required for you to take. So it sounds like you've been teaching all of the uh, all of the history department. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. There's, there's now that I've taught everything, I feel you know I just very little they could throw at me that I can't handle. I see. So you're like immune to everything. Yeah, there's, there's no, no longer any surprises. I see. So out of all of those, <coughs> which do you like the best? I think if I had to pick, right, if I had to pick, I really, really enjoy, enjoyed uh, AP Human Geography. Oh, I really? think that's an up, upstart class. It, was, it covers pretty much like anything on the news. You can pretty much fit into a lesson. And it's probably, to me, the most timely and topical class there. And it's, um, you know, a class where you could incorporate current events. You can really bring things to life. And so I really enjoyed teaching that class for the last couple wow. of years. And how long have you been teaching here at Arcadia High School? I have been here, brace yourselves, wow. for 16 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That yep. is Your crazy. entire lifetime. Uh, my <laughs> overall career, I have been doing this for 17 years. So I spent one year in another school district, LAUSD, before coming here to Arcadia High School. Now, does any particular year of students or year in general stand out to you for a certain reason? They tend to blur into each other now, Uh, but you know, you kind of imprint when you're first starting at, you know, your your career. You know, spending one year at LAUSD didn't really have a time to imprint anything besides the fact that I felt so lost and incompetent. Uh, and you know making rookie mistakes but over here like that first maybe four years that you're here really like stick with you because they were there as you were finding yourself as a teacher I was in my my 20s 
Wow. And, right, you can't imagine that, right? Million years ago. <laughs> And then, and then, so like as I'm finding myself, finding my voice and my identity, like they're the ones who were there with me. But I can honestly say that, you know, all, pretty much every generation I've had since, I've had uh, students that, you know, have just I've just kind of glommed onto as, like my north star, you know, wow. to like kind of use as a gauge for like, am I doing my job correctly? And so there, there are students in every generation that you know that mean more t that mean a lot to me so basically you often view success in terms of your students and that's i define it 100 percent by that by like my success is if my students are succeeding that means i am succeeding sort of i think we've already actually touched upon this but um what is your core teaching philosophy and how do you employ that in the class environment my core teaching philosophy you know, if I were to just break it down to sound bites, uh, I will never assign something I wouldn't do myself. Okay. Everything you do for me has to have some kind of relevance, some kind of incentive for you to do. And I'm perfectly fine if a student comes to me. You gotta be like willing to to get some criticism back from your students. If you could dish it, you gotta be able to take it. And if the student ever tells me this has no relevance, it's not connected to what we're supposed to be learning, I will scrap it. You know, I, I believe education is a two-way symbiotic relationship. Very egalitarian approach, I see. I hope so. That's what I strive for. Very egalitarian, very populist. Yeah, I notice that a lot, especially since I'm, I'm in your APUSH class, APUS history, for those of you who don't know who APUSH is. But I've noticed that you often take a, you often interact with students a lot at a very one-to-one -one level it's not as you said before you're not uh -huh. sitting high on a pedestal you're here with us in the moment and yeah I, I i i know for a fact that all you guys have higher iqs than me okay <laughs> all i know is just more stuff than you right so i respect that and so i i am not here to be your google i'm here to help you reach your best selves and reach your potentials and i'm just you know more of a facilitator I see, I see. So, as a, on that note of being a facilitator of things, I've, I've noticed, mostly because of my personal experience with you, that you are an advisor to a great deal of clubs. Well, not a great deal, but to quite a few of them, notably Taiwanese Appreciation Club and History Bowl. So, in light of that, uh, explain your involvement as a club advisor to said multitude of clubs. Well, what my favorite part of this job, overall, is building relationships with students. Like, if I didn't have that, then I don't think I could last in this profession. And so, through the clubs, I get to you know ditch the textbooks, ditch the tests, ditch all the other things I have to do, and just do the things I want to do, which is you know what Taiwanese club is to foster pride in a you know to me a unique culture over in East Asia and Definitely. also my heritage and so I, I think cultural appreciation is you know a very key and important aspect of education as well yes you know there's stuff beyond the classroom that students should be learning I think and it's it sounds like it's more it's like part of that well-rounded philosophy absolutely that we, absolutely we it have here at RKD. 
school and you know the, the AP classes are just one aspect of education right there's still characters there's still morals there's still skills there's still worldliness you know and bring had knowing a sense of your your civic responsibility like that's not stuff that you'll get in the math textbook but it's still part of your education yeah, yeah. as far as history ball you know I love trivia I've tried out for Jeopardy and Almost really? gotten on, almost, not wow. quite. I made it to like the final cut. Uh, <coughs> three rounds of interviews uh, and, you know, and like simulation. But I didn't, didn't make it didn't to the live me. show? Did not make it to the live show. And so I had to go back to the back of the line and I'll, I'll keep trying. But, you know, I think as I get older, my reflexes are slower and I'm dumber than I was in the past. Well, wouldn't say that because you know you are you are an A push teacher here, and but you know it's it's good to take notice in that sort of thing. Um, now, some some of the uh, some of the student body, especially some of your students, know that your wife Miss Cuso actually also teaches honors chemistry and AP environmental science here at Arcata High School. And in light of this, uh, how does this unique situation affect your daily school life? And sort of like, what's the dynamic? So it's important to me that I have me time and she gets <laughs> her time. And so, yeah, we carpool to school, but that's the extent of it. And, uh, you know, she gets to have her own individual lunch. I have my own individual lunch, but, you know, we meet up at home and it's, it's a great thing for our schedules to sync up. You know, we have the same days off and we're going through the same frustrations and, and politics but also like the positive things that happen. And so we kind of like pick each other up when we have to and kind of like ride the good times when we have together as hey. well. And so it's, for me, it's kind of an ideal situation. I see, so it's a, it's a, it's a win-win. There's no, win -win. it's not, it's not burdening. It's not, it's, it's a win-win. No, especially <laughs> if I get to stay over here in H and she stays over there in the science building. <laughs> once in a while I need my me time. Yeah, definite, definitely. And now moving on, one might notice that your decor in your classroom is, uh, well, very interesting. For example, you have a hashtag that lights up, multiple flags, including a Soviet, Chinese, Taiwanese, U.S. flag, and a, even a Trump flag, political stickers, and a unique history poster with an emphasis on his. Uh, could you explain some of the context around some of them? I'm pretty sure some of our listeners would be very interested to... Well, for for me, you know, the classroom is it's a it's an inanimate object, but it's still a live part of uh, the whole instructional process. So, you know, the, the the stimulus that you see around the room, some of it is like this, a little bit of personal flair, uh, but a lot much much of it is connected to you know curricular purposes, and in history, you know, flags and other images are symbols, right? And, and symbols crystallize these major, major trends and concepts and patterns. And so, for example, the hashtag, <coughs> we light that up in class when somebody makes some kind of cross-unit con co uh, connection, right? The, the, yeah, AP, AP US yeah. history. Right, that, yeah, that's, I, hopefully I'm using it in the right manner of a hashtag. That's a pretty new phenomenon to me. <laughs> But a hashtag, I think, tells you what's trending and it connects things, posts and threads with each other. Definitely. I, I hope. 
And so that's what I want you guys to do with what you're learning. And you know, for for the flags, though, even the Trump flag. Yeah, I may not be a Trump supporter, but that is still a part of our historical record. I received it as a gift, uh, but it yeah, is part of our. You historical. might definitely want to clear that. Yeah, clear that yeah. Up. I received it as a gift. All gifts are meaningful as long as it's from the heart. And so, you know, I, I like to keep uh, flags and other symbols as just capturing the the zeitgeist of the time period. I see. And the the uh, history poster you have. Yeah, that that one is just to remind me that it's called history, and below that is a caption that says, "No girls are going to Nats." And that's a reference to to history, history. bowl. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you know I want more diversity on History Bowl, but uh, and th this goes the same for pretty much it's a microcosm of the world that it was not practical for us to bring girls with us to Nats. Not that they're not qualified, is that we need to find a female chaperone, and that adds to the costs, and also couldn't find anybody. And so I keep that up to remind me that I need to push for diversity. I need to push Definitely. for inclusion. And I don't need to reinforce the patriarchy because there's plenty of forces that I already do. <laughs> and so I need to go and, again, more, more egalitarianism. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, that's a great concept to have, have in heart, especially in such polarizing times. Absolutely. Where we view each other as, we start viewing each other as equals and not different. Exactly. Different people. Exactly. We should celebrate differences yeah. and not use them to divide us. Exactly. And finally, to wrap this up, if you could change one thing about the world today, what would you change, if you even wish to change anything? I think if I could just isolate it to one thing, I think we all kind of need to remember that here in America, we're actually all on the same team. We all have kind of like, there's a Venn diagram, right? Yeah. And now we're just kind of focused on the part that doesn't overlap. But there's a lot that overlaps. And let's not forget about that. Let's, let's kind of like appreciate that in this country we can even have conversations like this where we can criticize but also learn from yeah. different perspectives. And let's be open-minded about it. But also let's be rational about it and use logic behind the things that we say instead of purely emotion, yeah. instead of purely... Um, partisanship. And I think, yeah, definitely the internet has exacer exacerbated some of that work, creates yeah. echo chains. Don't get me started on social media. Oh boy. Uh, but for me, social media is communication, but all through our history, communication is a positive. It's only sped things up, and it's up to that society then to adjust to that newfound speed of communication and newfound accessibility. Now, are we adapting in a healthy way? I don't know sometimes, but would I give it up? The answer is no. I do not have any desire to go back to the past way of doing things. And it's definitely, that, that belief is definitely evident in the way you've taught things, the way you've adopted the hashtag, the light up hashtag, the way you've accumulated all sorts of memorabilia and flags from different times and different periods to definitely, and especially as I see in your classroom, I'm actually facing the west side of this classroom right now. I see all of these, these posters explaining France, Russia, China, United States, and encompassing 
many different ideas and in places and beliefs mm -hmm. it's really it's really I think personally I think your classroom personifies who you are I, I yeah I, I hope I, I injected uh, you know who I am and what I believe into what I do including something as benign as decoration <laughs> well thank you so much mr. Wang hey, thank you Lawrence. Definitely continue to, to check out Keeping at Arcadia because as we evolve into roundtable discussions, we may end up including Mr. Wang as well and as we delve into more rich topics that, you know, might need a little more nuance to it. So I would be it will be an honor. So thank you so much. Back to you, Jeffrey. And that will conclude this episode. This has been Jeffrey with Arcadia High School's DCI. And the podcast team hopes you've enjoyed our second episode. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe for more weekly content. Please visit the list of all our episodes on our AUSD DCI page. The link is dciausd.weebly.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. This is Keeping Arcadia signing off.